Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chef Life TV, where we talk about the positive, negative, everything about the culinary industry. Today we have a very close friend of mine. When you think about chefs in Jersey City, when you think about, just put it this way, I don't want to bring youngins on here, but my man got the mind of an OG. And when you think about a chef in Jersey City, you think about Chef motherfucking Elliot. So I'm going to start off with asking you, brother, why you wanted to be a chef? Why did I want to be a chef? All right. Um, well, it happened by accident. It happened by accident. When I was 14, my father sent me off to work, and there was a local restaurant in the neighborhood. He knew the guy who owned it. I got a job, and I just started working in the kitchen, scrubbing the floor, cleaning out the fryers, taking out the trash, starting from the bottom. And it was just a job at first, and then I got good at it. Just by osmosis, you're in that type of world, and and I was fucking with it, it was different. And I was always a bad student. I was a smart kid, but I just didn't give a fuck in school because it, nothing really mattered to me, it didn't hit home. But for some reason, when I was in the kitchen, it felt real, like it was, it was tangible, it was real, and it was, you know what I mean? Like, I got a really good eye for bullshit, and in the kitchen, there's literally zero bullshit, straight up meritocracy. You just do the damn thing. So that's kind of what drew me in, and then the rest is history. I've never had another job in my life besides working in some sort of professional kitchen or being a private chef. It's the only two things I've ever done in my whole life. Well, you're doing pretty good, man, because- uh, Thanks, bro. Jersey City, man, you know, we was never really known to have a food scene in Jersey City. Well, it's getting there. And it started, you started picking up. Damn right. And you, you made a name for yourself, man. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I seen you with Chick Pete. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah, a couple of people have written some stories about me. The, the first of many, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I'm just doing my shit, man. Just doing what I love. I feel like when you just focus on doing your thing and doing it as best you can, all the accolades and all the all the accomplishments and everything, it, it, it becomes natural. It just happens, right? I mean, I don't do things to compete with people. I'm not competing with anyone. I'm in competition with myself only person I'm competing with is myself. I don't think about competition. I don't think about the rewards. I don't think about any of it. I just think about doing the thing. People, com people complicate shit. People complicate shit. People complicate, chefs complicate what it means to be a chef all the time. They've got some misconstrued idea. We serve people, plain and simple. Chefs serve people. You just focus on serving people as best you can. The rest is, Natural, it's just gonna happen. Great fucking answer. Uh, I brought you on the show today because I want to talk about a topic that's not being touched on a lot. You feel me? Uh, I'm gonna start off with this question Do you think that we are dealing with a mental health issue in the culinary industry? Yeah, mental health is a it's a problem. I mean, from a logistical standpoint, we've got a lot of chefs out there working way more than 40 hours in a very high-stress environment. They are under pressure that you couldn't even imagine financially. Many of them are just making not-so-good pay. That's just the, you know, we're not victims. This is just the state of the industry. Times are changing. It's moving in a positive direction, but people are under pressure. And what happens with the pressure is people will turn to other means of coping with the pressure. They'll do drugs, drink a lot, and just general bad behavior, and then that becomes the culture. 
because after a tough service on a Saturday, you got your ass kicked for 12 hours. Everybody wants to go out and get wasted. And that's what they do, and that's the you know that's their way. But you know, it's it's a problem, and it's a problem that's not being talked about. Um, I mean, I've had more than my fair share of times when I'm like questioning why I even picked up that chef's knife in the first place. Like there are days that I've had in the kitchen that made me question everything. Like why did I even do this? Mm -hmm. It's fucking hard. And from the outside looking in, it's hard to understand that. Most of the nuances of what it means to be a chef is completely unknown to the world. They're like, how many hours do you work? Wait a second. How much do you get paid for hour? Wait a second. What does this look like? And they, they look at us like we have three heads, but it's our truth. It's our reality. And from the outside world, you know, people with desk jobs and shit, we're like, we're they really crazy. don't get us. They really, they think we, we're fucking crazy. And guess what? We are crazy. But um, it's just the nature of it. So the good news is this. The life of a chef is fucking hard. But times are changing. Times are moving in a positive direction. There are more opportunities now than there has ever been in the history of the world and the history of this industry. For example, namely, social media. As a chef, I love social media. You, man. Yeah, I love social media. Um, social media gives you opportunities that you otherwise would not have. You have online presence. You can build brand equity around your name. You can produce unlimited amounts of content, videos, photos, you can have a blog. I mean, and these things give you leverage. They give you opportunities that, you know what I mean? Even for me, I've got multiple massive media opportunities that I can't talk about on camera, but <laughs> I've got multiple media opportunities right now as a result of my social media. When I started building a business, social media is the reason I was able to, you know, grow it up to this point because I, I'm visible online and people see me and they see my services and you know they can book me and shit so times are good times are changing it's getting better the hours aren't as bad as they as they were and I know this because the chefs who taught me are like you don't know how easy you got it and then the chefs that I'm gonna be teaching in the next seven years and like I'm gonna be telling them you don't know how easy you have it and then the next generation it's just gonna go on and on and on um, but that's the good news. We're, we're taking baby steps, but we're moving in a good direction in the industry. Do you think that this industry attracts misfits or... 100%. Or with the shit that, we, that happens in the kitchen, they turn into misfits? Or do you think no, it's a little no, bit of both? No, 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 no. And you don't pick this life. It picks you. you I don't, really don't think anyone just says, hey, I'm going to be a chef. No, no, no. It just happens. It just happens, and I think that's the beauty of it, just the serendipity of becoming a chef. I, I walked into the industry completely, had no, I didn't really have much of a vision. It was just like, I need a job, I found one, great. And then the rest was history, and I discovered through doing the shit with absolutely no plan at all, I was like, hey, it was kind of fun. And I was like, I'm getting good at this. And then the skills started to grow. I went to culinary school. I was super young. I went to culinary school at 19, 17, I'm sorry. 17 years old, graduated at 19. I had already been working since 14. And it was just straight through one shot. Took no vacations, no days off. No days off. You know. No vacations, um, no holidays. But it's, 
I would say I'm definitely a misfit. I, since I was a kid, I've, I've been very deviant from the norm. Didn't really do what the other kids did. Didn't speak how they spoke. Didn't think the way they thought. I was always um, in, marching to the beat of my own drum since I was a kid. So naturally, I feel like when I uh, got into the industry, I kind of looked around and I said, hey, I finally kind of fit in somewhere. So. Uh, the rest, like I said, is history. So um, I think that's the beauty of it. I, I came into this whole world with nothing. I had drive, I had determination, I, had, you know, I was a hard worker, but didn't have much of a plan. I mean, most of the beauty of it just sort of happened. Yeah. I think it's nice when you just kind of let the universe happen um, yeah. and the world just kind of comes to you by osmosis. You know, it's funny you say you stuck out when you was young, because, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was, you know, was, I'm just going to say it was ghetto. There wasn't that much resources there, right? But where everybody was hearing, where everybody was listening to like Jay-Z or, or Beanie Eagle, I was listening to Lincoln Park, you know what I'm saying? Word. I was, I was uh, totally different. I was different from everybody off the gate. Oh, I get that. All the and, time. and I just wanted to be, I did not want a desk job. I tried it. Either. I tried it, man. I went to school for like a semester for fashion. And then I, I will walk past all these restaurants and I'll smell the stocks being made. I'm like, fuck, I missed that shit, bro. I really missed that shit. So I got back into it. And it's been a hell of a ride, man. It's been a ride. I've seen some shit. I've done some shit. Um, it's, a, it's a tough industry to be in. But if you, no love it, if you love it, you get used to it, you adapt. I don't think there's a B option. There is no B option. You but, come into this industry, you have to love it because the things that keep us going are not tangible things. You'd have to be a fool to get into this industry thinking you're going to make some money because you're not. You're not going to make any money. You're going to get the living shit kicked out of you. You're going to work 60 hours a week. You're going to make hopefully enough to pay your bills um, and you're probably going to have PTSD after 10 years so welcome to our world do you still want to be a chef and I get emails I swear to god I get messages I get DMs I get emails of kids from other countries have hit me up saying I want to come to America and be a chef I'm like are you sure (laughs) you look like a smart kid you can do anything in the world do you really want to be a chef? And he, I don't know. So I, I, I don't discourage people, but I want to illustrate as accurately as I can how difficult it is to do what we do. I don't want, I would hate to bring someone into this world who doesn't understand what they're getting themselves into. I would never do that to someone. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. The people who mentored me were very clear in the way they illustrated the world. They're like, listen, here's what's gonna happen for the next five to 10 years. Bang, 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 bang. And they just went off the list of, this is all the shit you're gonna deal with in the next 10 years. Are you with it? I'm like, sign me up. (laughs) So, I don't know. We measure our success in ways that no other industry, no other culture, no other way, no other place in the world measures themselves under the same criteria that we do we live and die on 
intangible things. We live and die on passion of service, loving what you do, loving the, the, the pain and loving the, the chaos and loving chaos. The, the challenges. And we just, you don't make a lot of money. Are there rich chefs out there? Yes. Are there rich restaurant owners? Yes, they're out there. Very few and far between. It's like a fucking unicorn, right? Do not, do not come into this industry thinking that that's going to be you. Gordon Ramsay is worth half a billion dollars, so it's like that's. I mean, and What's he deserves it because he's a rock star. But um, it's tough. It's very blue collar. It's very challenging, and it's probably going to kill you. So if you're with it, you're with it. Um, good motherfucking answer. Good fucking answer. It's the truth, brother. It's the facts. Do you feel like there's a mask being worn with chefs oh, in the man. back that have that go through it but don't want to show it because of the, 100%. the the macho aspect of it? hundred percent. Men, women, especially men particularly, because men do a lot of stupid shit. Uh, men do stupid shit that we, we can't always explain. But um, like I said before, coping mechanisms a lot of alcoholism drug abuse I've seen it I've seen it I stayed away from it thank God uh, I'm honestly scared of it to be honest with you because once this is what I believe once I get to a place where I believe that I need alcohol to be happy or I need drugs to be happy when I trick myself into believing that it's over I really believe that'll be the beginning of the end for me because I naturally have an addictive personality the things that I love are the things that I do 110%. So if I were to get to a place where I needed drugs or alcohol to cope with whatever pain, it's over. I won't come back from that. And that's the number one reason I don't drink or do any drugs of that matter. Although I've been under amounts of stress that would probably have killed an average man. I've been under, you know, I'm not a victim by any stretch of the imagination, but I am a chef and I've been in this shit since I was 14 and I've experienced the pain and the cuts and the burns and the feeling that you're not good enough and the making $300 a week after taxes after for fucking, this is insane. Like this is really fucking flashback. What kept me going was some vague vision in the back of my head that maybe just maybe I'm onto something. Maybe, just maybe, if I keep my fucking head down, something magical is going to happen, turn things around for me, and it's already happening. I mean, for God's sake, in 2016, I became my own business, my own brand, and I started, you know, stepping out of the traditional system and building my own way with no capital, with no nothing. I didn't have dick, but I still was able to build brand on the back of social media and actually doing the thing like it's literally simple my thesis was simple we serve people chefs serve people go out and serve people find some people serve them it's not rocket science it's really just developing that business model and then applying it and like I said most of my lessons have come from fucking up you have to give yourself permission to fuck up and when you give yourself permission to fuck up, it opens up a whole new world because now, now you're taking action. Now you're taking action. The people who are afraid to fuck up will never take action. And those are the people who are constantly gonna be in a place where someone's gonna tell them what they're worth. 
and then they're gonna believe it. And if that's your thing, then that's your thing, but I had an idea. My idea was simple. I can start a business and do my own thing. That was my idea. And then I went out and proved it. So it's not necessarily for everyone, but it's very um, reassuring and it's very, um, it's very good for me to believe and for everyone to believe that you can do something great and you can build something and you can be something. Even if it's one in a million, there still has to be one, you know? That's deep as fuck, huh? God damn. All right. All right. Uh, in this industry, right, when we don't have regular, like, sick days or, or you call, I don't know what they call it. Sick cousin, days, of, um, uh, a personal day, personal day. mental day. health mental, days. Yeah, whatever the fuck it's called, right? That's what they call it. Have you ever felt guilty about calling out or leaving early? 100%. I, I felt like shit. Um, and I think there's, and there's a good and a bad thing to that. The good thing is, the reason I feel bad is because I have an unwritten social contract with my tribe. Unwritten, meaning that I owe my 100% to this team, to this tribe, to this restaurant, to this family. And if I don't give 110%, I will hold myself accountable and feel like shit. That's the good news. The good news is that on those days I did call out and on those days that I couldn't make it or whatever reason, I felt remorseful for that because I had committed myself to serving this tribe and to serving this, this restaurant. And I, have, I haven't taken many of those days, but they've been there, you know, I've had injuries, I've hurt myself, I've gotten sick, you know, so. And that's the good news. The bad news on, on that is that you being afraid to take a day off, I mean, we're human for fuck's sake. It's I a mean, problem, man. We're human. And um, all I want is, there's only one thing I want to see more than anything. There's a lot of changes I would love to see in my lifetime, but if, if there's one change that I would pay anything to see, I want to see our industry become more human. We don't want to become more soft. I just want us to become more human. Because it's fucking difficult to do what we do. And if you're not tough, you won't survive. Plain and simple. But Mr. Tough Guy can really only go so far. And we need to just step into the reality and understand that there are limitations. There are limitations to what we can do and there are limitations to what is human you know we see this all the time PTSD in in like I personally know people who've come home from Iraq and they weren't the same we're not the same they saw things they shouldn't have seen and they did things that I mean God bless them man that's I have nothing but love and support for those people but certain things will fuck you up in ways that you can't come back from yeah. i'm i would say i'm lucky enough to of all the challenges that i've seen and everything i've been through i don't think there's anything that really really damaged me to the point of no return um maybe that you know knock on wood hopefully that day is not yet to come but um we just need to be more human and it's just a very simple conversation it's a simple conversation that needs to be had yes you know are you saying that? I want people to understand that when you said being more human, I want people to understand that you don't have to hide behind the mask. 
You know what I'm saying? You don't have to put up a front. You don't have to hide. And be fucking a macho man, even though you're fucking no. hurting. I've heard stories about chefs cutting themselves. 100%. About chefs stabbing themselves in the in their office, in the kitchen, because they couldn't take the pressure. Chefs jumping off Or bridges. how about the one that no one talks about? The amount of heart disease and strokes and, like, horrible health repercussions of living a stressful life right. for 20 years. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, it's fucking crazy. It's like, insane. Why? It's no, it's no surprise to me. It's no surprise at all that a chef passed a certain point, let's say 10 to 15 years out. They've been doing it, grinding it out for 10 to 15 years. Almost always will deviate from, from, the, from the line and go into uh, a more higher paying job with more reasonable hours. Let's say the chef in, in conversation comes into the game at 17 and then by the age of 35, they've already done the shit, mm -hmm. executive, multiple restaurants, maybe they've been written about in a couple of magazines, great. It's not surprising that that chef will more than likely deviate from the industry to go do something within their niche that gives them uh, the ability to use their wisdom in their head and not so much their physical body because they start to break down. Start feeling they it, start man. start to break down. I've seen multiple chefs, not even that old, like mid-30s, and they're already like, I need, I need to get out. I need to get out. This is going to kill me. I need to get out. So luckily for me, I'm 23. So I feel like I've got plenty more years of getting the shit kicked out of me before I, I ever get to that point. But um, See, you're 23, but you have the wisdom that you've been in for like years. Because I was born into you know? this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm 23 and I had just stepped foot in the kitchen at 21, ah, where would I be, right? Uh, yeah. Two years in. But I grew up in this shit. Like, I was, I felt like I was born into this, even though I technically wasn't. But this is the only life I've known. So, I don't know. Um, if you asked me to do it again, I don't know how. I could do it again from zero, but I feel like I still would. Yeah. I mean, there's so much beauty in just figuring shit out. Bro. Figure it out. It's, it's, it's fucking addicting, bro. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's like, it's like a drug, bro. It's killing you, like but you drug. fucking love it, bro. And then it becomes culture. You understand yeah. what happens. Let's just say that you were 17 and you grew up in uh, like a shitty background parents were like alcoholics or something and, and you finally get like a job you can stick to for more than two weeks and it's in a restaurant and you're surrounded by other people with similar difficult backgrounds yeah, as you yeah. and you develop this camaraderie that you've never had you develop a sense of significance that you've never had a sense of fraternity that you've never had and now you have developed that unwritten social contract now this becomes your tribe this becomes your family now you finally say, hey, maybe I'm onto something good, and you turn your life around. We've seen that many times. I mean, I come from, you know, challenging background, but nothing like that. Um, but something definitely drew me in, and, and it, when it becomes the culture, when it becomes the culture, that's really significant. I mean, culture is a trickle-down effect. If we want to see changes in the industry, we need to be it. Who decides what happens in the restaurant? The executive chef. The owners, yep. the leaders, they decide everything. So if you want things to move forward, the conversation just needs to be had at the top. And then it's going to trickle down and become the new ecosystem. And I think that's healthy. I think that's human. Um, there's a lot of wisdom 
in uh, the previous generation that we need to keep that torch and pass it to the next generation. Wisdom, technique, consistency, dedication, humility, these things need to survive. And it's our job to make sure that these virtues survive to the next generation of chefs. However, on the same coin, there are certain aspects of that generation that needs to die. And we need to be the ones to kill it. And all it takes is a simple judgment on behalf of the leaders, the sous chef, the chef, the executive chefs, the owners, to make the decision of what stays and what goes. There are certain aspects of yesterday that is so valuable. I would never want that to be lost in translation. There's a lot of recipes that I don't want to die. There's a lot of uh, values that I want to pass on to my cooks. Yeah. You know, so I think you need to learn the rules before you can break them. You know, there was a, her name skips me. There was a girl that was working in Brooklyn young Dominican girl she was big on Instagram she uh she called her boss and said listen I can't make it in today she was a cook I can't make it in today I don't feel good he told her if you don't come to work I'm gonna fire you she went to work she died of an asthma attack at work it's shit like that that I talk about this right cause it's th th there's gonna be chefs that's gonna see this and say oh look at this fucking guy he's soft oh don't be in the industry if you're complaining I'm not complaining I'm simply stating that some of us are stronger than others and there's nothing wrong with that right there's nothing wrong with that but people need to understand that it's a public health issue now and things need to happen so what you what you think might bring change besides the youth coming in like what what can't change it now right now like I said um, these conversations need to start to happen and that's it, plain and simple. Plain and simple we right? need to have the conversation. conversation. We need to open up the table a little bit to allow our cooks to be heard, to allow our women to be heard, to allow um, all of the all the things that the, our cooks have been hiding. We just need to have the conversation and get it on the table because it. We can't ever deviate from the reality this is a hard life and everyone knows it's tough and if you're not tough you won't survive that's a fact yet um, for everyone it, it might be different you know some people are tougher than others some people have different breaking points than other people um, well, we get baby steps baby steps the conversations need to be had we need to open up the floor we need managers to chefs chefs executive chefs owners to be more understanding and we need to it's culture yeah it's culture what we believe is a result of what was downloaded into our brains from the people who taught us so now the question becomes what are we going to teach them and then the world turns right so it's really a question of what values are we going to pass? What, what torches will we pass to the next generation and what torches will we extinguish to the next generation? You know, uh, I saw a special and Chef Brother Luck from Top Chef. I know him. Bro, I, I think he killed it that season, right? No disrespect to this Top Chef season. Am I trying to be a jerk? 
I'm not a fan so far. I'm, I binged it. Not binged it, but I recorded it, right? And I'm watching it slowly now. Not impressed so far. I'm just... <laughs> anyway, um, Chef Brother Luck said that chefs need to stop if the fear of losing a star, the fear of getting a bad review should not be the cause of suicide. Oh, fuck that. See what I'm saying? Fuck that. I think, and this is just where I come from, everyone has their own belief, this is mine. Um, in terms of stars deciding our lives, fuck that. The most gangster shit I have ever seen, ever, was Marco Pierre White giving his stars back. That was the most gangster shit in the history of the industry. Marco Pierre White said, take them. Because he was tired of stressing, bro. Take the stars. He was tired of Worked his whole life to get three Michelin stars. And then one day he literally woke up, picked up the phone, and said, take the stars back. I don't want them anymore. Click. The most gangster shit. That's everything. That is literally everything. The stars cannot define us. You know what? Subconsciously, I think he did that. I, I think he started Said, the wave of people coming up and saying, yo, I'm not going to kill myself for this shit. Fuck the stars. And Marco said, and I quote, I am being judged by people with less knowledge than me. That's it. So, and if you look at now, and if we're, if we're still talking about Marco Pierre White, um, if you look at the arc of his storyline after Harvey's in the 80s, the types of restaurants he opened in the following 20 years were very much more, the, the quality is still there, but yet he's serving a more broader spectrum of people. It's not all rich dignitaries and world leaders. Now he's feeding regular people, regular food of a high quality standard. He still has his dedication to excellence in cuisine, but he's not doing it in a way that's pretentious. Um, and we see this a lot. Marco Pierre White's a phenomenal example of what was super fine dining and has now become a little bit more open and a little bit more um, serving to more people. And I think that's just such a beautiful story. I don't have any problems with fine dining per se. I come from a fine dining background, yet um, I don't think that's representative of who I am as a chef, not representative of what I want to build. Mm -hmm. However, the values that I received as a result of training in fine dining is priceless. The, the dedication to excellence and the call to excellence that I received as a young cook, getting the shit kicked out of me by phenomenal chefs who... You know what I mean? That's forever. And that's that's the torch I'm gonna carry for generations past me as I teach cooks in my restaurant. So it's valuable, yet not necessarily what I'm building. It's not what I'm building, it's not what I'm doing. It doesn't serve my people, doesn't represent me, doesn't represent where I'm from, and it sure as hell doesn't represent where I'm going, yet I'm still so glad I didn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, Fine dining has its place. I think, like yeah. I said before, learn the rules and then break them. Yeah. Go to fine dining for a couple of years, get the living shit Absolutely. kicked out of you, and Absolutely. then make your decision as to what, what you, you want. Do. 
do the damn thing first. I'm gonna, listen, man, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm a fan of fine dining. I love the aspects. I mean, it's tough. It's but it's the ridiculous. things you learn. I know you oh, came from John George. I worked at John George. It's priceless. I worked at Per Se. I staged at Per Se. I, I worked at Le Cirque. I staged at Chanterelle before they closed down. And I love, I love it. I love the plating. I love everything. But honestly, if I was to open up a restaurant, would it be fine dining? No. It'll be, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be in the middle, you know? That's good. You know what I'm saying? Casual. We're not opening the next TGI Fridays. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. Um, in, in my universe, as long as it's freshly made with attention to detail, everything from scratch, locally sourced, the menu can change every fucking day for all I care as long as we're creating with intent and serving with care. Uh, I mean, I went to a restaurant um, in South America. I was in Uruguay and we sat down at this restaurant. And it wasn't just any restaurant. This is a restaurant where Anthony Bourdain shot an episode of his show. Absolutely. And I'm sitting in the same fucking seat Anthony Bourdain sat in. And I, I look up on the wall and there's awesome. a sign. There's a sign written in chalk. It says, uh, Cocinamos con pasión y servimos amor. And it had the Uruguayan flag on it. And that was it. That was a message from the universe. Cooking with passion, serving with love. That's it. And my restaurant, that's really all I care about. Do you feel... How can I put this? Do you feel like a chef has to be in the kitchen or be able to get respect from his cooks? I've experienced this firsthand. Um, so... I think it really comes down to um, to brand, developing that brand, um, developing the brand, developing the systems, really. It's all systems. Um, optimally, they should still feel your presence even when you're not there. And how do they do that? How does one feel your presence if you're not there? Because the sous chefs that he trained is literally the embodiment of the mission statement and they will live and die to uphold quality standards when chef is away that is the holy grail of the industry that is the goal for most chefs to get to the point where they can build such culture and such a team that they can go later on in life and start to enjoy their family a little bit more knowing that the restaurant is taken care of, knowing that their cooks are going to be on time, and knowing that everyone's going to be at their highest level. That is the holy grail. And will I ever get there? Hopefully. And, you know, I think the valuable part, um, at least what I've seen, John George, international success, phenomenal. I studied this guy since I was a kid, and then I finally got to work with him, and he was there all the time. And he was in it. He was walking around and tasting sauces. And he was talking to people. And he would shake the dishwasher's hand. And it's little things like that that I will never forget. Someone at such an unbelievable level of success who still cares so much and is so genuine about his team and about his restaurant and just what I've seen, I was blown away. Blown away by his dedication to, to his what he's built, to the family he's built. And... That is exactly what I want to do someday. Um, someday I want to get to the point where all of my restaurants are running at such a high level of intensity 
with such systems and subordinate leadership positions in place that I can be confident in knowing that I don't necessarily have to be there. And hey, maybe I'll come on a Friday and I'll boom, 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 pop at all seven of my restaurants, make sure everyone sees my face, check on everybody, and that'll, that'll be that. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of the vision. And um, the very moment uh, a cook starts to deviate from the mission statement, there should be some sort of system in place to keep them in line. Now that's what a sous chef is for. So um, optimally, we would have cooks who hold themselves accountable in the same way that, for example, me, if I had to miss a day or if something, if I did something wrong, that's going to burn me. I would never do something and say, oh, great, I got away with it. No, none of that. We as cooks, and this is valuable, this is like day one, this is day one shit. Day one, you should know that as a cook, you are called to a higher level of excellence and you are taking an ownership of your little piece of this pie. And, you know, the p point of it is, um, the conversation needs to be had. Mental health is a significant challenge. It's a hurdle that we're all going through. And I believe the only way we're gonna solve this problem, as well as the thousand other problems we have, this is just one. one. Mental health is one problem of many that we have in this industry. The same way we're going to solve this is the same way we're going to solve all the other problems. By putting the shit on the table and pre not pretending it doesn't exist. That's the main issue. People act like anxiety is not a thing in the kitchen. Oh, it's a thing. The, 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 the fear of stability, because let's be honest, this industry is not stable at all, man. Yeah. You... you mess up and you're out the door. Not only could you lose your job, the entire goddamn organization can come crashing down in front of your face. Like, I was doing really well at a restaurant when I was 19. I was kicking so much ass. I'm like, this is it. This is what I've been working all these years for. I'm finally in a restaurant that is challenging me, that's pushing me, that's mentoring me, and I'm growing every day, doing what I love, and I'm feeling fucking amazing. And then we went out of business. And I was out of a job in two days. And I'm like, fuck. So not only could you lose your job, the entire restaurant could close and you wouldn't even you wouldn't even know it. So yes, stability is something that um, is so standard in other industries. And when you develop tunnel vision and you only see from the four walls of the restaurant industry, it's easy to misunderstand. But luckily for me, I have a lot of friends in a lot of places and seeing their world from their eyes, I'm just like, you guys don't know how easy you have it. You know, fucking guys are coming out of college, 80, $80 $90,000 job straight out of college. That's casual. That's casual. In right. our industry, 80, 90,000, maybe 15 years in, you'll get that kind of money. 15 years in, bro. Maybe 15 years in, you'll get that kind of money. It took that's, me. It took it's me. It's standard to get there. 15 years to get anything close to that and I had to bust my ass for it so I was, I was working 6 days a week it'll kill you sunrise to sunset so. and then when I did the math I was getting paid 10 dollars an hour after if taxes get, after and taxes and I was up and I was getting paid basically 10 dollars an hour with no overtime so it wasn't that's what happens when as, as when you're on salary they can do what they want with you. You're fucking cow. You're a cow. That's it. So they milk the shit out of you. Yeah, and we see this a lot. And twenty-four-year-old chef is gonna get this big promotion. And oh god, you're a sous chef now. Wow, you've worked six years for this. Congratulations. 
And now you're going to be making, do the math, $9 an hour. Yeah. And that's why we see people become sous chefs and then go back to being line cooks. That happens a lot. That happens a lot. I've never taken a salary. Yeah. Will I ever? Eh. Well, I'll probably never be an employee for the rest of my life. Chances are. But point being, in retrospect, I'm glad I did what I did. At least you get your fucking overtime. Well, man, listen. Uh, thanks for coming, man. This was dope. Yeah, this is awesome.